The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Okay, let's see. What do we have here? What do we have here? Hello, everyone. Hello. It's Thursday. It's June the 10th. It is show 19 of the offseason. We'll put that last slash mark in the first 20 tomorrow, which will, of course, be much more focused on the playoff results. Today, in Fantasy NBA Today world, we will continue our exploration of the Yahoo Player rankings, how they start, how they finish, and what it all means, man. I'm Dan Bespris. This is Fantasy NBA Today. You're listening to a HoopBall presentation, hoop-ball.com. At HoopBallTweets on Twitter, you notice I promote the uh, large umbrella Twitter handle here. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Thank you to everyone who continues to listen through the off-season. You sweet degenerates, you make me smile every damn day. And I hope you're having a nice one so far. I know our shows come out at all sorts of weird times these days. A lot of it has to do with child care, when I can record the podcast. Some of it has to do with making sure I actually have the results of the previous night's playoff games before I can go on air with the next chunk of stuff. And then you just mush it all together, and this is what you get. So uh, thank you for bearing with me on that front as well. Playoff recap is relatively quick on today's show. Phoenix beat the nuts off of Denver yesterday, 123-98 the final score. The Nuggets got worse despite the pace actually picking up. This is a ball game that just did barely slide under the mark. Total was at about 222, opening line finished at 221. Same, uh, was it the same as the previous one? No, it was 227 in the first one. So it came down... But there was a little bit of a mirage going on in that ball game, and some of it had to do with how wide the spread was during the actual ball game. In that, Phoenix was able to give some of their reserves six minutes of garbage times. So the pace didn't slow down the final half quarter. But overall, I do think it's very important to note a couple of things. First, the free throws for Denver did go up, but they missed them. Millsap missed both Rivers. McGee, various weirdo bench guys. All these guys were splitting two free throws. Denver only made 12 out of 20 of their foul shots, or this game probably goes over. You know, if they make another four of those, as they're probably pretty commonly doing, it goes over. If they make one more field goal, this game probably goes over. And when it's that close... And no one was really excelling on the offensive side, at least in a meaningful way. I know Phoenix put up a ton of points in this ballgame, but I, th- I do think it's really imp- it's, it's quite important to note Phoenix overperformed because they made 18 three-pointers. That was a positive for them. But they got 94 shots up in this game. That's a really fast-paced playoff game, surprisingly so. Should this game have gone over based on the expectations of of where these things, uh, really where the numbers should have been? The answer is no, not really. It probably should have stayed ever so slightly under just the way it did. Denver, 
who, and give Phoenix a ton of credits. They only had uh, seven turnovers. They only took 17 free throws, but they made most of them. So they should have probably been around 110 points. They overachieved by about a dozen. Denver should have been around 110. They underachieved by about a dozen. And there's your spread in the ballgame with Denver missing their shots, missing their free throws, and even three-pointers couldn't make up for it. So the question as we move ahead, and because I actually thought this game was going over, and I thought Denver was going to keep it tight. I mean, that was a total misread on that ball game. Is what do you think happens now as it goes back to Denver? Are the Nuggets just going to get overwhelmed? Because their head coach kind of called them out. Said, look, we gave up. We quit in this game. Jokic was better. He only had 24 points. He only played 29 minutes. They didn't need him late when they were getting thwomped. But he shot 53%. And then it was everybody else that was terrible. Aaron Gordon went back to being bad. Michael Porter Jr. was playing hurt. His back is all locked up, so he's not making his shots. And presumably a, a day or two off will do wonders for them. They play on uh, tomorrow, so they only have the one day off for travel. But Denver's better at home. We know all that stuff. Total on that game is set at 223. So as you look towards the future and you take what we had from this ballgame and say, hey, look, we only really need one of these teams to shoot the ball well. And the other one, we just need to not be awful. But we didn't get that in this one. We got one team that was awful, while the other one shot the ball relatively well. I mean, Phoenix was not, they could have put up more. It's a weird thing to think about. They had made a few extra buckets. They could have done more, but the very low turnovers, that was good for the Phoenix side. Offensively helps maximize shot attempts. Sometimes you like turnovers because they lead to quick buckets or increased pace, but the pace was fine. So I don't know. I mean, you know my thing. As series go along, I tend to look more towards the under because guys start to beat each other up and figure each other out, and then you get tired of doing the same thing over and over again, and it just gets harder. But damn, if this one didn't look like it was headed towards another over. Tonight, Brooklyn is at Milwaukee. Bucks favored by three and a half. They've got to be better, don't they? Total of 233 and a half in that ball game. They had two days off to think about how badly they got whipped in Brooklyn, 125 to 86, nearly a 40-point loss in that ball game. Yikes. Yikes. Two teams combined for only 16 free throws in that game. I mean, that was really that one went about as under as it could have possibly gone, but it is worth pointing out that the pace really hasn't been that high in these games. It's going to come down to whether or not the Bucks can overachieve offensively. I haven't seen enough to say that we need to go to the over in this game, but that's the direction I would lean at 233 and a half. I think Milwaukee shoots the ball better. I think they get this one into that up and down a little bit more. And then the question really becomes, I mean, do both teams hit 120 points tonight? Maybe. Maybe. Pace hasn't been there so far. Perhaps we're overthinking it a tad. Last ball game wasn't that fast. It was just that Brooklyn was so good on offense. They shot 52% and made 21 three-pointers and only had eight turnovers. But the low free throw number, I mean, that you almost look at that like, sheesh, they almost could have had more. Milwaukee definitely could have had more. They had all the turnovers in the world. Middleton's been bad. Giannis hasn't been very good. They're just They're getting steam trained right now. And only eight three-pointers as well. So you look at that, you're like, all right, well, they got to be better, right? That's the simple handicap. Well, they got to be better, right? I don't know. Maybe. Do they? (laughs) 
Uh, slight lean to Milwaukee and slight lean to the over, but I don't really much. I, there isn't a lot about that ball game that I like coming up tonight. That's whew, what a mess. I, I generally would subscribe to the theory of you're never as bad as your worst performance. And for the Bucks, that was pretty much it. That was pretty much it. Clippers are in Utah. Utah favored by three, total of 223. I, again, I was quite surprised that the Clippers actually kept that last one as tight as they did. I think L.A. wins this game outright. Uh, for Utah, I don't. they don't really have, without Mike Conley, it's Donovan Mitchell against the universe, and the Clippers are going to have a better theory there. We know what L.A. is going to do on offense. They're not going to challenge Rudy Gobert. They're going to put him in pick and rolls and expect him to play drop coverage, and they're going to shoot. They're going to go small, and they're going to take a crap ton of three-pointers. So their field goal percent is probably not going to be all that high, but they're going to be getting a lot of points per made bucket, and you might see both teams hit 23-pointers tonight. You really might. So lean to the over, lean to the Clippers. That's where I'm at with that one. All right, where the hell do we leave off on our Yahoo ranking stuff? Let's uh, let's dive into that a little bit more today. I think we got through the second round, although we often get sidetracked a little bit in just sort of what the numbers actually mean and how it may or may not carry over from season to season. And what we've done so far is basically, I don't want to say that we've made any final determinations on things because everything is fluid, everything changes year to year. But I do think that, We've probably, we probably have enough data to say that things like the bad second round we had for a couple seasons in a row was less the expectation and more the, look, we just had a couple weird years where the second round was hard to call. Because the second round this year was actually the most accurate round that the big box sites had. A lot of guys that were drafted in the second round were putting up second round per game numbers, and it was all about figuring out who might actually survive this damn 72-game sprint. Metaphorically, of course, I got to be careful with my my word choice this year, because yeah, I mean it's been it's been terrifying. But I do think that as you look towards next year, as long as we're properly handicapping the guys in the top 20 that really don't belong there, and this year that was very clearly. Uh, Devin Booker didn't belong there. Well, we all got caught up in the hoopla. Trey Young probably didn't belong there with the new additions to his team. Doncic and Giannis definitely did not belong in the top 10. Until Giannis can make a free throw, you're not going to convince me otherwise. Anthony Davis, I thought, actually probably did. I didn't expect him to miss this much time. And then LeBron, I thought second round was probably fairly reasonable for him. And then he went and missed a whole bunch of time also. So if you properly handicap the the guys that I would call obvious misses, the guys that just really don't belong, and you focused on the other ones, first and second round I think are probably going to be pretty accurate next year, and I think we can also expect better health for a lot of those guys next year. And I should also clarify once again, as we're talking about rounds here, I'm actually talking about groups of 10, just because it's easier to do the math. So we're not going traditional 12-teamers, we're just doing chunks 10 chunks. The third 10 chunk, which of course spans from pick 21 to pick 30, was by preseason ranks on Yahoo, John Collins, Russell Westbrook, Donovan Mitchell, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, John Morant, Rudy Gobert, Nikola Vucevic, and Zach Levine. There were, in my estimation, some very clear 
don't get him the heck out of this third chunk neighborhood. One of them was Russell Westbrook, who, as good as he looked late this season, that just got him as high as 72 on a per-game basis. He doesn't have that top 25 gear anymore, unless he's shooting like 50% long-term. And he had a couple weeks in there where he got to that mark. But over the an entire season, it just ain't going to happen. So he was an obvious get him the heck out of the way. Uh, John Morant was another one on that list for me. Very much a get him the heck out of the way in this one. The only chance he ever had of getting anywhere near top 30 value was to play every damn game. Because this dude was outside the top 100 last year, and it is a big jump to go from 100 to 30. He needed to do more defensively. His percentages needed to be better. He needed to hit three-pointers. Doing all of those things would have gotten him there, but there they really aren't many Brandon Ingram-like jumps in fantasy. Ingram was the one guy where, if it all clicked, he was going to be a monster, and we had no reason to think it would actually click. Year after year after year, he didn't get steals. Year after year, he didn't hit three-pointers or his free throws. And then all of a sudden, he did all of them at the same time. Go figure. So if you were the guy that one year with Ingram, you sure feel smart, but you probably missed the previous seven times you took that shot, and Jaw falls into that category. Ben Simmons was a, a massive underperformer. That one I thought was a bit of a surprise. I didn't I didn't handicap him straight. Out. Well, if you were punting, it's sort of a different beast. Nine cat, I'm not taking him here. Uh, if I'm not punting, I wasn't taking him at 25 anyway. But I figured, you know, if you if you rolled up some durability, but remember he was hurt late last year, bubble injury, so there was that kind of lingering stuff with him, and then. So that was all always going to be kind of hanging over it. But you figured if there was durability, he might get into like the 40 range. And it just wasn't close to that. He wasn't durable and he wasn't good. He finished at 105 by totals. He finished at 96 by averages. I had him pulled out because I hate taking punt guys. But he underperformed even by that, even beyond that measure. What else did we learn about this third grouping of 10? Besides just, okay, like take the guys out that you know are not going to get to their mark. Westbrook, yank them out. Ja, yank them out. Okay, what's left? Well, John Collins, who, to his credit, was better by totals than by averages. He was relatively durable this year. He got to 37 on the total side. So if you took him in with your... I mean, he was falling into the third round in a lot of spots. If you took him with the third round pick, he really was fine. He was fine. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, who was also banged up this year, was number 48 by averages. I don't know why. Okay, you know what? I actually do know why, and it's the 10th category, because Donovan Mitchell had actually been, prior to this year, uh, a pretty damn reliably durable player. And then things, you just, it's tough. You know, we, we use our best judgment, and then we say, Things like, well, a guy's only injury-prone until he's not, or a guy's only durable until he's not. I don't really like that. Donovan Mitchell finished at, again, he was at 48, 49, somewhere in that neck of the woods. 26 points, 4.5 boards, 5 assists, a steal, 3.5 three-pointers. Field goal percent was down a bit. Here's the thing. Handicapping fantasy is imperfect. 
you just you don't know when that year might be that a guy is finally going to miss some basketball games. You you go on the on the data you have. And this being Donovan's fourth season in the NBA, his first year he went 79 games. His second year he went 77. His third year, which was uh, last year, he went 69 out of their 72 uh, regular and bubble games. I believe it was 70. Well, was it around 72 for the Jazz? Well, somewhere in that neck of the woods. So, I mean, he's missing like three, four, five games a year. And then all of a sudden this season he was out for 19 regular season games. That's a difficult prediction to throw out. Oh, this is the year that Donovan Mitchell's finally going to miss, you know, seven weeks of basketball. If you made that guess, more power to you. The reason I wasn't on the Donovan Mitchell bandwagon is that drafting him at 23 is basically saying if he plays all of his games, this is where he ends up. But if anything at all goes wrong, he doesn't get to this mark. Because he's never in his career been a top 25 per game nine category guy. He's always been down in that 40 to 50 range. That's where he sits. It's the DeMar DeRozan range. DeRozan was actually a 44 this year. He was a couple slots ahead and actually played eight more games than Donovan Mitchell. DeMar beat him this season. Because of games played, mostly. But that's that window. So when you take a guy at 20, whatever the hell I just said he was preseason, 23, you better hope that he has the ability to be number 23 per game and then durability maybe gets you up and over that hump. The guys in this range, 21 through 30, which uh, Yahoo did a really bad job with, by the way. This was, a, this was a pretty big chunk of misses. The guys in this 21 through 30 range, I would argue Kyrie Irving... Rudy Gobert and Nikola Vucevic were pretty much the only dudes that I had listed as having the ability to put up per game numbers of top 30 or better. Now, as it turned out, Zach Levine also jumped into that group with a really big and wonderful performance this season. He was fantastic, uh, even with a, a handful of missed ball games. But that's by the time you get to this range, you better be drafting guys that you think can get to that point with their per-game stuff. I, I, You know what? I, John Collins, you can probably put in that list as well. He, he suffered a big step back this year, which we all kind of predicted per-game-wise that it was going to take a hit just because there wasn't as much stuff there. But Russell Westbrook, no. If I'm just asking the, the one question here, per-game, can these guys get inside the top 25? How many of those guys would you say yes to? Shea would have been the, the coin flip because we didn't really know what he was going to be like as the lead horse. He was number 44, by the way, per game this year. Uh, Collins was kind of a coin flip. Westbrook, no. Donovan, no. Simmons, no. Ja, hell no. Levine, I would have probably said no, but then he proved me wrong. So that was the, that was the miss there, I guess, of all things, in that I thought he'd be more like back towards number 40. But whatever. Absolute value missed by totals was 51 slots in this group. That's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. And the running miss total, not even absolute value, was negative was 39. That's a really big chunk of misses. And that's by totals. And if you're thinking, Dan, what about by averages? Does that settle things out? No. 
These guys were not anywhere near their averages either. The average miss size uh, by absolute value was 41 on a per-game basis. So they were not close. The miss size of everyone in that group, there were only two guys in that group that on a per-game basis, Yahoo missed by single digits. Only two. Rudy Gobert, they undershot him by seven, and Zach Levine, they undershot him by eight. That's it. Vooch, they undershot him by 18. Collins, they missed by 29. Westbrook by 50. Donovan Mitchell, 25. Kyrie, 21. Simmons, 71. Shea, 18. Ja, 163. Not a lot of good stuff going on in there. A lot of big numbers that turn into big absolute values of numbers. Let's keep moving. I, I will say, I think the only lesson we can take away from that third chunk of 10 is that by the time you get to pick 20, you need to be looking at guys you believe can get to that marker on a per-game basis. That should be your descriptor. In the first round, you can't really do that because there's only like four guys that are going to be available and a lot of them are going to be gone by the time you get to like the sixth pick. What are the odds the guy you take at six is actually going to be top six? It's not great. There aren't that many opportunities for them to be inside that bucket. By the second round, you're starting to look that direction. With uh, Again, on the first round, there's, there's a pretty big emphasis on durability. In the second round, I would say there's still a very large emphasis on durability. By the third round, you're, you're trying to strike a, a better balance. I want a guy that can give me top 30 per game... That is marginally durable, but doesn't have to be perfectly durable like my first two picks generally will be. I want the guy I take in the first round to play 90% of his games. I want the guy I take in the second round to play 90% of his games. I want the guy in the third round to play 80% of his games, but I really want him to just hit his mark on a per-game basis. That way he can get there in 75% of his games. Or at least not be a massive negative. So what about the fourth chunk of 10? That list of players, and I'll just give you the 10 names right now. Zion Williamson, Pascal Siakam. I pause before I say, Chris Paul. You know I love it. Yosef Nurkic, Jamal Murray, Freddie Van Vliet, Andre Drummond. Gags in his mouth. De'Aaron Fox, Brandon Ingram, and D'Angelo Russell. Gags in his mouth again. This is... We're seeing a repeatable phenomenon here, which is that there are, first of all, by the way, by totals, this fourth grouping of 10, Yahoo missed by 61 slots. By averages, it was actually only 33. So this is a a group of players that actually had injuries play a larger role on the miss amount. Nurkic missing most of the season, Jamal Murray missing the last month-ish, Andre Drummond sitting out half the season. Now, admittedly, he was terrible anyway, but if he played in 65 ball games, and it wouldn't have been quite as disturbing. Janzo Russell, big surgery. He missed two months. So this was, there was some injury stuff that probably would have been a little bit tougher to foresee. Although, t- hindsight being 2020, Yusuf Nurkic coming back for that furious bubble run. We didn't know that he spent the very short offseason 
uh, dealing with family stuff abroad. We didn't know that until after he got back and was totally out of shape. And he was like, look, I've been abroad. My family's been sick. Oh, okay. That's a pretty good reason to miss all of your conditioning work. But damn, I wish we would have known. Jamal Murray got hurt because everybody that played deep into the bubble got hurt. Andre Drummond, we didn't know he was going to sit out, but we did know that the Cavaliers were not going to be building around him. So that was a guy you could probably skip over. And then D'Angelo Russell... It actually seemed like this was going to be a good year for him health-wise because he didn't play a ton last season, and this was the, hey, he gets to play with Carl Anthony Towns kind of year. So you probably thought he was going to be uh, at least closer to max durability this season. Uh, meanwhile, Pascal Siakam missed a bunch of time because the Raptors had a whole bunch of COVID on their team. Um... And then De'Aaron Fox actually missed a bit of time with COVID, but he was a guy that... There was just no reason why he was he should be ranked inside the top 40 um, because his fantasy game has gaping holes in it. By the way, if he played every game this year, he probably would have gotten close to top 40. He was number 61 by averages. And if you're asking the very reasonable follow-up, which is, okay, they missed by 61 slots by totals. What about averages? Well, I mentioned it was 33. So that was a big gap there. And if you could isolate the guys that were going to be hurt in this round, more power to you. I think you really had to once again focus on the guys that you thought could be a top 40 per game player in this group. And those names are... I probably would have put Siakam in there. That would have been wrong. He finished at 54 on a per game basis. Chris Paul, yes. Nurk, actually, I would have put in there as a yes. And then he... We all kind of got blindsided by his uh, injury situation. Jamal Murray, I thought, was kind of a coin flip. Freddie Van Fleet was a big-time yes, because was, he was marked way behind where he, uh, he can be on a per-game basis. Drummond, no. Fox, no. Ingram, yes. Although, admittedly, he missed it by three slots. And then uh, Russell, I would have said no in a nine-category league. I think top 40 is about as, as good as it could possibly get for him. So this was another group where you really had a limited number of players that made sense in that preseason ranking bucket. And I know that this does loop in, the Yahoo preseason rankings does loop in some eight-category stuff, so there's kind of this weird wash that occurs there. But that's not why a lot of these guys didn't make it. That's not why uh, Andre Drummond didn't make it on a per-game basis. That's not why De'Aaron Fox didn't make it or Siakam, for that matter, to use one of the guys that I thought would do better. There were just other things at play. What do we know about this fourth chunk? What can we draw away from it? Well, again, it was better, at least, on a per-game basis. Like, the misses were not all that severe. But what it's also telling us is that, and maybe some of this is the COVID side, perhaps, and, and we, I do want to compare these numbers to previous years to just kind of get a feel for it, but I also think that there's the power of the buzz is so strong, so strong. Uh, Fox, Russell, the point guards, really, that's like the younger point guards. Zion is a big-time buzz. Morant, if you went earlier, so buzzy. Donovan Mitchell is a very buzzy player. Everybody loves scorers. Everybody loves point guards that can score. And 
yeah, I mean, you got to go get assists, I guess, but you don't have to do it at the expense of better fantasy basketball players. How did they do, yeah, they being Yahoo, in this fourth chunk previous years on an absolute value basis? By the way, a lot better. A lot better. Two years ago, the last full season of data we have, the absolute value miss size through the first four chunks, we talked about a couple of these already, 4.9 in the first round, 16.8 in the second round, and we said, oh, well, the second round is a disaster. You can't get it right at all. It went back down to 9.6 this year. Third round, 17.9 two years ago after I just told you it was 41 this year. Fourth chunk two years ago was 15.7 and it was 33 and i'm saying well i guess that wasn't that bad yeah that's still that's pretty bad yahoo's pre-ranks were atrocious this year no one was ready maybe that's the lesson we need to take away from all of this no one was ready for the short turnaround we had a golden opportunity to completely ignore whatever the big box sites were trying to ram down our throats because they hadn't done the proper research to get to the numbers. These things were so beatable. Think about it from this perspective. You could have taken, and we'll go by, we'll go by averages uh, because that's generally simpler, the number three average Per game, the number three per game guy was Kyrie Irving. He was getting drafted in the 20s. One, two, and four went in the first round. Five, six, seven, and eight went in the second round. And then you get into a whole bunch of interesting stuff. Um, you You can go all over the map. So... So, 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 he says, as we now look towards this 41 through 50 batch, which I think will be the last thing we talk about today, those names are Kyle Lowry, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, ah, the Bucks contingent, Demonis Sabonis, Christian Wood, Jalen Brown, Mitchell Robinson, LaMarcus Aldridge, Jonas Valanciunas, and Hassan Whiteside, who, why he was going at 50 is anybody's guess. That was a, I'll take a flyer on him at 85 kind of dude on the chance he plays like 22 minutes in Sacramento, which didn't pan out. You can't be taking a guy like that with what would basically be your an early fifth-round pick. But again, we're, we're going in chunks of 10. If you thought the last few stuffs we talked about were terrible, by totals, 41 through 50 missed on average by 96 slots. On a per-game basis, they missed by 48. And obviously, Hassan Whiteside uh, dramatically alters that. But it's not like he was all by himself. Whiteside was a disaster. Aldridge was a disaster. He was bad in San Antonio, then sat and then retired because he's sick. Irregular heartbeat, I believe, is the... Mitchell Robinson spent the entire season hurt. Christian Wood spent the entire season hurt. Kyle Lowry spent most of the season hurt. Although that one was, I guess, a bit more predictable, given uh, we knew he was going to be on the trade block. Toronto wasn't going to be as good. He said this is the last season of the contract for him. So that one was a little bit more predictable. Christian Wood was a uh, really disappointing because he got off to that great start and turned an ankle, and his team decided there was no reason to play him for nine weeks uh, I mean, who did... It, it's easier to talk about who they got right. 
in this group of players. Who did they get right? Well, Lowry wasn't that far off. He was number 56 on a per-game basis. Middleton was only off by five. Holiday, they missed by 23. He was much better. Demontis Sabonis, only a 15-slot miss. Wood, 24. Jalen Brown, 11. Robinson, now they start to get bigger, 38. 72 for Aldridge, 15 for JV. That actually wasn't too bad. Boy, did he come on strong in the second half. Wow. And then Whiteside, uh, 256. So if we look at this from a per-game standpoint, it's a lot lower than 95. It's 47 and a half. And if you remove Hassan Whiteside, it's more like 28, which actually isn't that far off from the 41 through 50 range from previous years. Last year, actually, 41 through 50 missed by 43. So it was worse. Although Blake Griffin was the oopsies in that one. And then two years ago, 41 through 50 missed by 46 again. So it was actually, I might even argue, a little bit better this year than previous seasons. Let's try to figure out why as the last thing we're going to do on today's show. Before I tell you guys to definitely go to manscaped.com and get something with promo code HOOPBALL20 or definitely go to mybookie.ag and definitely... uh, I sound like the Rain Man. Definitely sign up with uh, promo code HoopBall. But let me know before you do it, because I, I want to put a prize in your hands. Please, please don't, uh, please don't dodge my prize. Well, let's play the same game we did with the last two chunks of ten, which is who are the guys on this list who have the ability to go per game top fifty? And the list is bigger, I think, in this group than even in the previous group. Remember, the previous 10, I was talking about guys I thought could be inside the top 40. If we just expanded and said, who do we think in that previous 10 could have been inside the top 50? On a per-game basis, it's Siakam, Paul, Nurk, Jamal Murray, Van Vliet, and Brandon Ingram. Maybe D'Angelo Russell, so like six and a half. And that's in the 31 through 40 group. In the 41 through 50, who can be inside the top 50? I would have said Lowry, Middleton, Holiday, Sabonis, Wood, Brown, Robinson, JV, and maybe even LaMarcus Aldridge if we didn't know he was going to be, like, really ill this year. So that's like eight and a half. So that's a really easy way to kind of guess how good a group of preseason rankings is going to be. We could do it to the second round also and say, hey, who of these guys in the second round do we think can be per-game top 25 Jason Tatum, yes. LeBron, yes. Kawhi, yes. KD, yes. Embiid, yes. Beal, yes. Adebayo, maybe. Butler, yes. Aiton, maybe. George, yes. That's like, I'm going to call that nine because it's like eight and two halves. So no wonder the second round came out so well for Yahoo this year. Do the same thing with the first round. Who of these guys do we think could be a top 15 Of those guys in the first round. Harden, yeah. Doncic, eh. top 15? I'm going to say no. AD, yes. Cat, yes. Steph, yes. Giannis, top 15? Fine. Jokic, yes. Dame, yes. Trey, mm, and Booker. Uh, we're talking about like seven and a half, maybe eight there. So, yeah. Duh. Of course, the first round didn't go as well. Once you pass the top 50, this is not actually a very useful game because you hit a threshold 
where you're not actually just looking for someone who can be top 60, you're probably still looking for guys that can be top 50 or top 40. And that's what we'll talk about on the, the next time we go through some of this stuff. So just kind of a sneak preview. The next 10 names are Hayward, Gordon Hayward, Miles Turner, DeMar DeRozan, CJ McCollum, Malcolm Brogdon, Buddy Heald, Michael Porter Jr., TJ Warren, Draymond Green, and Clint Capella. If you're looking at those names and thinking, okay, who among these guys could be inside the top 50? Remember, we'll keep the bar above them. Uh, I would probably say Hayward, yeah. Miles, yeah. DeMar, yeah. CJ, yeah. Brogdon, maybe. Call it a half. Four and a half. Heald, maybe. Let's make that a five. Michael Porter Jr., yeah. Warren, yeah. Draymond, yeah. Capella, yeah. So that's like nine. Nine out of ten would have been my guess on how many of these guys could have actually been top 50 dudes. And so then I would say, without even looking at the number, I bet Yahoo did relatively well in their assessment of the 51 through 60 range, especially if we remove TJ Warren from the equation because he played like four games, was awful, and then was done for the season. If you take TJ Warren out of that group of 10, I bet it did really, really well. This is actually not that hard of a game and one that we should definitely play when we get Yahoo's rankings for next season. But we'll talk about the 51 through 60 range and more uh, probably on Monday. I think tomorrow we'll do another playoff reset podcast through the weekend. I don't know. Perhaps there'll be something else I'd throw in there just for just for funsies, as the kids say. Greetings, fellow young people. But uh, on that 41 through 50 range, by the way, a couple things that we probably need to look out for a little bit more. Kyle Lowry, the age stuff. Aldridge, the age stuff. I know I'm an old man squad guy. Uh, I did pivot away from him in my draft. I got really lucky. I went Miles Turner instead. And uh, that worked out significantly better, even with Miles missing the last, whatever it was, month, month and a half of the season. He was, he was on cruise control prior to that. And then Hassan Whiteside, who just really didn't belong in that area. There was no reason for him to be... I mean, he was likely coming off the bench. And if he... Like, the best-case scenario was about 22 minutes a game, so that was, that was madness. That was, that was a guy that I think... I think I talked to Josh Lloyd on the pod about that, about Hassan Whiteside and where we might draft him. We were like, well, I'll take a flyer on him near 90. And then somehow he ended up at 50? I don't, can't figure that one out. In any event, folks, have a wonderful Thursday. Enjoy the games tonight. If you're dropping any coinage on them, good luck to you. I am Dan Vespers for Fantasy NBA. Today, we'll talk to you tomorrow. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.